Welcome to the DevReady podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined by Shazami, uh, recruitment websites and marketing. And it's all low-code, no-code, which is quite a, a buzz area in the industry of technology. So happy to be joined by Nicole and Rick today, co-founders of Shazami, talking all things tech and business and how you might uh, grow out and scale out a tech business. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Great. Pleasure to be here. Bit of background is always um, a, a good one in terms of uh, where you sort of came from. Recruitment, how have you been involved in recruitment and what's your background in the space? So we have been working in recruitment website technology now for over 12 years, uh, a real passion for the industry and uh, across the globe. Uh, we have been helping clients be more successful from startups, uh, startup recruitment agencies through to some of the world's largest recruitment companies and everyone that sits in between that and also dealing with corporates in career sites. And that has led to the passion of, you know, more modern tech and where we are today. Rick? Yeah. And uh, look, I met Nicole probably 14 years ago when we independently started um, job board technology. So uh, to compete with the likes of Seek, My Career and Career One back then. So I was fortunate enough to uh, start JobX, J-O-B-X, and Nicole was working for a company called Jobs, 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 and we were both sort of at the sort of the peak of the competing job boards. So there was a, a lot of money being thrown everywhere. You may recall the back of the bus, the trams, the billboards. Everybody was trying to find a way to compete with Seek and. Um, and we launched, I think, within a month of each other, the businesses and uh, were competing for about two to three years. And then we decided to merge when, when the GFC had hit and obviously money was tight and we needed to reinvent ourselves. And that's really where where the journey started of what uh, what we are today. So a couple of the big recruitment firms uh, like Chandler McLeod and um, West staff back then and Adeco, they're all trying to find ways to cut costs, get better, become more digitally savvy. And we rolled our job board technology into the first, I guess, white label recruitment platform, early days of SaaS. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's sort of where the, the journey started. So it started from competing against Seek. Correct. Converting to helping effectively seeks customers so completely different angle but same sort of philosophy right same yeah. getting customer but rather than a promotion of a job it's how do we help them with the tech internally to promote their own website technology jobs maybe on their own website and then port it into the likes of seek that's what i'm imagining yeah absolutely so it's all about letting them build a better stronger brand and to, to some degree, not to be reliant on anything external. So, you know, it's a bit like, you know, the, the e-commerce of recruitment, e-commerce store of recruitment in that you build your own presence and you market it well and you set it up well so that you don't necessarily need to go and sell on Amazon, for example, in the e-commerce store scenario. So, yeah, it's uh, it's what, what we love. And whilst people think, oh, it's just a, a website, um, and I can just do it on WordPress. Once you actually lift the bonnet up, you'll find that there's a hundred little gremlins that you need to be aware of. And our skill set of the platform and, and the people range from, you know, 
DNS understanding, DNS to SEO to social to aggregators, you know, like Indeed and Adzuna to, you know, integrations with 50 different ATSs and multi-posters who are all different. And so I guess we have to become experts at pretty much everything to do with recruitment technology um, that unless you understand the space, you just don't get what you actually need to know and, and what you need to develop for your customers. So mm. the difference between a, a website developed by, you know, my my cousin who only knows WordPress and puts together a, an iframe of Seek or an iframe of Job Adder versus what we do at the top end for all of our customers, the Rolls-Royce solution, everything is just interconnected and works and is optimized for performance. And that's the big difference between the sort of the two levels. Nicole, did you want to add anything? No, I think we'll continue on. I'm sure there's lots of things that will come out. Yeah, so yeah, it's a big difference from having just your basic sort of a classified website where you just probably listings and then send an email compared to the entire workflow that you provide and allowing them to automate their processes. Yeah, I think that there's a real opportunity if you get this right. And a lot of people don't realize that, especially from a recruitment industry um, specifically, there is so many integrations, so many opportunities from a search engine optimization perspective. But if you don't get those right, when you're building your brand online, uh, you're never going to be able to compete in what is an extremely competitive market. So it's our job to provide our clients with cutting edge tech that will make sure that they can be as successful as they want online. On that, it's a very competitive landscape. Um, how do you find people like using, utilizing your technology? What competitive ed edges does it drive for your customers? What are some of the things that you can do that others cannot? Yep. So from the start, we will work with a client and educate them as to what we know works in this space. And a lot of that has to do with what we call the site architecture. So there actually is a recipe to success to being found online. And we impart a lot of that. And it's, it's very recruitment focused. And it's things that a normal marketing agency won't understand or be able to apply because they don't understand the industry where there's different silos of people that recruitment agencies are trying to attract. You've got job seekers is one stream and they need a focus. And then you've got the employer that's looking to engage a recruitment agency to find talent. And then you've also got potentially the recruitment agency trying to recruit internally for their own employees. So we, we set up silos and the way that we've developed the technology, which is all drag and drop and easy to edit, pretty much, as I said earlier, you know, like Canva for recruitment websites, you just drag and drop. Anyone can build and edit a website. You can create job boards. So if you're looking to recruit engineering people, uh, you should have a page that talks about engineering jobs and then all the relevant information on that page, the recruiters that will help the job seeker find a job and then also the jobs in engineering that are relevant for that person that's looking for a job. So by building these ecosystems for their industry sectors specifically can create these beautiful, you know, highly SEO optimized platforms. So that's one thing that we bring to the table we look at the job ad itself up as being a highly optimized opportunity for search. So every job ad itself, and there's a lot of technical things that go behind this job schemas and, and different technology that helps our jobs 
be relevant in Google's eyes for our clients so that the SEO optimization, when they post a civil engineering job located in Melbourne, um, we pull through all the relevant data to say to the search engines, hey, this company is really relevant. It's got relevant content um, from a job ad level up and a heap of a heap of other uh, technical things where we share the jobs out to uh, the job board aggregators, the free job boards like LinkedIn now has a free job board. Um, we post, make sure our clients' jobs are on that and all the other aggregators that are out there. Rick, anything you wanted to add? Look, it, it is it is about um, making sure that they've got all the tools and the modern widgets to to make their ecosystem as wild and as wonderful as possible. So what we certainly have seen is now that we we have so many new tools, for example, dropping Google reviews on you know, is a widget that's very quick. Um, adding uh, PayPal carts is very quick. Everything is just now intertwined and, and easy to use landing pages, microsites. We've got uh, clients now really pushing the limits on, on everything uh, with connected data to Google Sheets and like it's membership areas. So I guess what's, what we're certainly seeing from where we used to have old technology that was very rigid and um, sort of defined by us that it really limited our clients in becoming the powerhouse e-commerce of recruitment. And that's the big difference that we've seen. So we, we've got probably a dozen clients that are really pushing the limits, that are really um, using every part of our platform to build different ecosystems, microsites, landing pages, stores, like anything you can think of, they, they're really trying. So that's really exciting for us to see. And most of the time, we don't even know they're doing it because it's all there in the platform. Um, whereas before, because everything was proprietary, if they didn't ask for us and we didn't build it, they didn't get it. Whereas now it's the reverse. They're actually going totally uh, off piste and, and building the, the, these ecosystems and we'll stumble across a, a client type and go, oh, look at look what they've done. Look at this fantastic. And then we'll, we'll use that. Um, to educate other clients of how they can use the platform better. It should, um, Rick, also the integrations. Um, so the integrations with the applicant tracking systems can open up massive opportunities as well to really improve the candidate experience uh, has been a massive one that we've made lots of inroads. We're, we're integrated with more platforms than we've ever been. And, you know, that is extremely important. Oh, there's so many platforms in every industry and, um, I imagine recruitment is no different. Uh, yeah, we work in a couple of different sectors and you find that there's 15, 20 platforms to solve the same problem um, within just an Australian ecosystem, let alone a global ecosystem. So, um, yeah, I find it fascinating how many competitive platforms there are. Um, how many would there be for you that you integrate with in terms of the actual recruitment piece? Look, I would say really good integrations, probably 30 now. Mm. Um and we're sort of going from the top down. So, you know, for example, Bullhorn is one of the world's largest ATSs, applicant tracking systems, to job adder. So we're obviously integrated with the most popular ones um, because they've, they have educated the market to become more savvy and they're the ones that have the marketplace ecosystems that we belong to. 
And so what you'll find is they all tend to have things that are all working together in harmony, whereas some of the other ATSs that are not um, not at that level, they'll have bad APIs. They're not as advanced in terms of how they integrate with the marketplace. They're more standalone. They're more cost-effective. And so they'll attract the not-so-sophisticated uh, recruiters that really at the at the at the lowest level are using a spreadsheet to to manage their candidates and so anywhere up from a spreadsheet to a very basic ATS to then more complex ATS to then a full ecosystem there's quite a big difference in the cost structure you mm. know you can start free go to nine dollars a month then you're sitting at your top end of you know probably two to three hundred dollars per seat per month so th there is a big difference and then shift from those less sophisticated okay. models to the more sophisticated models like yours. So in our business, I think we've been in contact with over the years, like four different recruiters or recruiting agencies. Three wanted to build their own job boards and one had his own product that we were maintaining. <laughs> so I'm sure there's been probably a shift away from mm -hmm. those to more solutions like yours. Yeah, there is no doubt. So a, a really good example when we set out looking, okay, if we, we want to create the best recruitment website technology, what are we going to use? And how can we make it easier to, you know, fulfill a recruitment website with a fully integrated job board all in one place very quickly, seamlessly, and and um, also successfully. And we looked at things like WordPress and realized, you know, that's not been built for recruitment website technology. Um, we went no code, low code, meaning, you know, we only need to develop once and then we can use it throughout all of our clients' websites. And when we do upgrades and um, feature enhancements, which are happening every single day basically when clients request other features and functionality if it makes sense we just build it in and they get it across the board um, people no longer need to reinvent the wheel so we often get people saying to us oh we're looking at building something ourselves you know we're going to use wordpress talking to a client today you know their wordpress website got hacked i mean they, they, we're talking about you know a platform that we've created in not uncommon <laughs> this is wordpress hacking yes yeah so we're highly secure, you know, we, mm. we can also look at things like accessibility so people can be covered from a legal perspective, uh, that their website is accessible. So no, um, once people see this, why would you bother trying to build it yourself when it's going to end up a disaster? <laughs> yeah, definitely can. In terms of, um, obviously things are going well tracking. I think you mentioned off, off call, you've got about a couple hundred clients utilizing the platforms. There's a bit of growth in it. Um, in terms of the business itself, you, you mentioned a little bit offline that um, you've had a few challenges along the journey to get to where you are. Um, what's some of the things you reflect on from a setup of the technology slash the way you've operated the business that you maybe have learnt from or would do differently? Uh, so I'll start and then Rick, I'm sure you've got some things there to add. Um, being in this industry for many years, I think, you know, it's the best decision that we've ever made uh, when the point got to it that we should walk away and start again with a blank sheet of paper. Uh, we were constantly frustrated with old legacy technology platforms. Um, we had a board of directors that were not willing to invest in new technology. They kept wanting to turn a profit. In the meantime, in the background, technology is evolving and changing and it, it meant that 
um, our clients were missing out on having best of breed tech. And for me at that point as a sales person, um, going and selling something which I no longer believed in and couldn't see it evolving to the, to the state that it should be in the modern age was so frustrating. And I, I had highlight that, highlighted that on many occasions. So looking back, probably should have done it a bit earlier, uh, but it was... It... <laughs> Change is not that easy to make sometimes, but you've made the decision, which is good. Some people get stuck in it and yep. continue and, and stay within the confines of what's happening. Um, but I get that. I think one thing about technology and technology businesses, it's moving all the time. Um, and your product needs to be probably re replaced every three to five years, give or take, because of how fast things are moving. And I think you mentioned it, the customer's expectations, they evolve so quickly at the moment in terms of how they use things. Um, if you're stuck in a day of um, they can't update the website on their own accord, as they maybe back then they may have been, whereas now they can drag and drop and make a slight edit, that's what they expect. Um, the expectations are changing from a customer's end, so we've got to keep up as technology businesses. Yeah, yeah. Look, flipping this on its head, I think, what have we done right this time? And I think the, the lessons that we learned um, from listening to our customers that we just couldn't implement were in no particular order, but it was the, the drag and drop ease of use for a non-coder, non-developer to build a site. And I think Nicole and I were both the test, um, the t uh, crash test dummies that we set out to build recruitment websites without ever writing a single line of code. And we've actually built some of the most beautiful recruitment websites without any prior knowledge of coding. So that was sort of the first test in the second test that we then said, well, we don't want to end up with a ticketing system that's bloated with angry customers and 300 tickets. And they email you again saying, where's this ticket up to? We said, the technology has to be so good that ideally we don't get any tickets and the tickets that we do get should not re rely on anything other than us showing them how to do it. So we've built an academy and a help system that in reality takes care of 95% of all chat inquiries. And that's the other thing that we did. We, we ditched and we don't actually have a support system at the moment as much as people say oh what do we do for support we say hop on chat um, and we'll we'll sort it out for you 95 percent of all online inquiries are solved within a couple of minutes max five minutes anything that takes longer we tend to have a then a an online screen sharing a catch-up where we then resolve it or or take further action so that was that one the pricing was one that we also got right um and we've been fine-tuning, but we, we, we desperately wanted um, pricing to be transparent and not a finger in the air to see how how fantastic your offices were so we could charge you 20 grand instead of two grand. So that's sort of where we said, we want to be the only, we want to be someone that you can trust because the pricing is transparent. So you can go to our website, you can see how much it costs to set up how much it is per month, there's no smoke and mirrors. And that's the big difference, again, with what we've tried to do because e-commerce sites, you go to WooCommerce, you go to BigCommerce, you go to any of those, Shopify, you can see exactly how much it costs. We wanted Shazami to be 
the Shopify of recruitment or the Canva of recruitment that you could go to. Everything's there online, easy to use, cost effective, no, no, no hidden cost, etc. So there were the things that we've done exceptionally well. Um, the other thing that we have done, we've made decisions quickly. So if something doesn't work out, cut it, throw it out, start again. Uh, so that was another key lesson learned. And then the, sort of the fun one was that um, Nicole can talk about how uh, Apple and DC Comics didn't like our name. I hope you wrote a blog about that. Uh, <laughs> There's a bit in there. Um, let's talk about the name. So what happened with the name? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Shazami, we were trying to come up with a name that was like, boom, bang, ta-da, sort of, you know, that it's quick and it's easy and, um, you know, there it is, presto. And uh, we came up with Shazami um, and we had the wording highlighted differently. And if you do look up Shazami in the Urban Dictionary, it's... um, quite amusing. Uh, we didn't know about this beforehand until someone sent the link to us. Um, we went live with our name and we had mixed reviews from people going, what do you call it that for? It sounds, doesn't sound corporate enough and all the rest, but we, we stuck with it cause we think it's very memorable and, and people visually see it and know that it's us and we've had very good brand recognition um until we were probably i don't even know rick what is probably about i don't know three months in and we're we're starting to hum along and all of a sudden these we get we lodge the trademark and the a couple of letters arrived in the mail one from apple and another from dc comics uh name If you're going to get those letters, they're not the people you want to be getting the letters from. The bottom of the pocket. Yeah, so luckily in-house, Rick dealt directly with their teams, um, their legal teams that had sent the letters. And it, and well, they were very good about it. They were really professional and, and, um, and realistic about the outcome that we wanted. Mm. So well, we that's just positive. Made- yeah, at least it wasn't a hammer down, just change your name. So that's good. Well, it's funny, you know, a lot of people, my dad, my father deals a lot with trademarks and he said to me, oh my gosh, you don't want to deal with this, just change your name. And I'm like, no, I like the name. So we, I, it was a horrible feeling, to be honest. Um, it didn't feel very nice at all. I'm thinking we're going to have to change our brand. But at the end, at the end of it all, uh, we ended up needing to change rather than highlighting the Shazam and the me part. Uh, we changed it to highlight the Shah and then the Zami, and um, all all was good and happy days. All was good, easy. Everyone's happy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's still the same name, <laughs> so it works out well. That, um, oh, sorry. One thing say, that... with that earlier philosophy you had in mind yeah. about how you approach the product, how did your first version look or get to market compared to sort of where you are now and how you've listened to customers? Yeah, look, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think the first version actually we came to market knowing what we knew from the past 10 years and what issues there were and mistakes. So there are probably a long list of things that I knew we couldn't repeat and that everyone else in the industry had repeated. So there were some early learnings and early versions that we we knew straight out of the box we weren't going to make those mistakes. And in reality, um, 
and this is sort of a bit of the Apple approach again, you don't want to listen to too many customers at the start because you get confused and you, you can't deliver a, 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 an MVP. So we, we got to the MVP very quickly and we had known clients come on board and we, we obviously started to listen to them and incorporate a lot of the refinement. But for the most, the architecture of what we developed is still 100% the same. We've just expanded it. More widgets, more refinement, more, more features uh, than we had back then. But the architecture is, I'd say, 90, 99% the same of what we, what we delivered on, on day one, which was you know, 10 years of hard work pushed into six months of, of development. So taking plenty of learning into a six-month development process, stage one to get to the MVP. Yeah. Um, how did you go about building team? Because I know you've got a bit of an understanding of what you need, want, desire, a bit yeah. of an architectural feel. Um, where did you start yeah. from a team perspective to actually get the product done and delivered from the MVP and what you've done moving forward? Mm. Yeah, this is actually another good learning. We previously had a, a team of 20 developers and builders and coders we didn't want to have the same problems. We wanted people that understood no code and were actually gurus and whizzes at using the no code to build a commercial product. So we we um, we went in partnership with two no code platforms and we put the owners back on them to develop it for us, so we actually didn't um, have any staff at all um, until probably a month ago, um, and we relied on the experts to deliver us the solution, which, as part of the the results that we have today, was actually part of the winning um, success because we had people that understood the NoCo platform really well, and we knew what we needed to deliver so those two pieces came together very nicely if we if i had to train a team of developers and pick a development language whether it's you know um, um .NET microsoft or php the whole process would have gone in my opinion very pear-shaped because you know to build a team with one particular language and then build a, a platform requires a lot of documentation and you need to think about everything from security to um, structure and architecture and APIs, etc. This We didn't have to think about any of that. This was more of a business um, solution that was crafted around no code. So that, that was the, the big win here. What you're saying there is the, the team slash teams that you work with had already established products that they yeah. meant updated, took, did they have a code base they work from for you or they start from scratch? Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no code or they're no code platforms that mm -hmm. are used by mm -hmm. lots of organizations globally for different yep. purposes. So mm -hmm. for example, the US Air Force uses one of the, the no-code platforms that we have, Otis Lifts, use it globally for, for their business. Mm. They have so many applications. And if you read the articles from Microsoft and Oracle and 
all the people that know much more than we do, they're saying 30 to 40% of all platforms will be no code somewhere in the near distant future. Mm, it's evolving, uh, isn't it? Yeah, pretty quickly. Because you can do rapid development, rapid prototyping. Mm-hmm. You don't need big teams. So the cost, you know, they're saying, mm-hmm. and we've seen it ourselves, the, the cost is about 10% of what it would have otherwise cost us. Mm. Yeah, that's and thinking back, thinking back 10 years ago, we were talking millions of dollars. We got this up and running for tens of thousands of dollars to a commercial product. So we're talking a quantum that is just, you can't, you can't argue with that simple fact. Yeah. I think it's plenty for people to think through. Um, and not just the low code, no code, but you've utilized other technology to get to your MVP, not trying to just do everything from scratch, um, having a base there. Cause I think, most people can deliver an MVP off the back of something. There's open source technology. There's all these different pieces that are available to us. Um, and just being a little bit smarter in it, uh, going to a development firm, starting custom is a very costly exercise. Um, and the benefits to get to an MVP off the back of custom aren't really there. It's your MVP's objective is to prove that you've got a, a business case, there's customers that are interested, generate a little bit of traction and have a base to begin the development really of the commercial product or evolving the commercial product. Um, so when you think about tech, it's just how do you get to the MVP as quick as possible? I think it's testament in terms of the way you've approached it because that's yeah, a big tick in terms of how you might get there pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and I think the, the as part of the original decision process, it was yep. built in to say, once we get to MVP and we can prove that it works, we have to be able to scale very quickly. And that's why, you know, uh, choosing an enterprise grade no-code platform that the US uh, Air Force uses in OSIS, we're, we're in the league of people that that understand obviously what they do and we know that it will scale to millions of users so we don't have to go through those tests again at a later date because we could have built it on something totally different and and had an mvp but then when you go and scale you then have to find a way to scale it up off that mvp product and so we scrap the mvp and start again and build a scalable version so so we went straight from MVP straight into production and very little changed. Oh, really good. That's a good outcome. Um, do you expect much to change or do you just expect it to stay as is and you're able to scale to, scale to 2,000, 5,000 customers? Uh, that is definitely the aim. Uh, right now there is only really feature enhancements and, and some minor architectural changes that we need to make. But we've gone from being a English uh, only platform to now a multilingual platform, global coverage, um, all on the same platform. And we've just, you know, we've added those features to it. So we're probably the most customizable um, recruitment website platform in terms of multilingual. And again, it's all no code. So we know the the issues that the competitors in this space have with multilingual, um, having a big top five clients that, that has shared with us all their frustrations. They can now go in and change every label, every widget for every language that they want to without ever talking to a developer. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, we've really hit that on the head. It's also, I think the future, future for us will be opportunities for other products that Mm -hmm. implement seamlessly to our offering. So we will always have, you know, this is the foundation is the website technology platform, but then there's so many other complementary products uh, that will help our clients that they're always asking for certain things that we can now easily build and offer as part of our solution uh, once mm. we have all of this evolved. Customer and a client base, yes. Yeah. It's easier to sell to your current, uh, uh, easier to sell to a current client base than create a new customer. Um, totally. One of the things that sort of strikes me is very niche. Um, some founders don't like to be niche. Love to talk about that in terms of what the benefits are that you've found of being specifically niched to an industry. Clearly, your technology could work across many different industries if you did some fine tweaks, but that just disperses your thinking. So what has being niche actually meant for your business? So for, for us, because we know the industry so well and we know the pitfalls and the issues that people face on a day-to-day um, situation, uh, the thing with recruitment technology is recruitment is an extremely competitive industry, especially at the moment. And even when it's not, you know, the job seekers, they're trying to find job seekers. If that flips and the economy changes, then they're trying to find employers to engage their services. Mm. So we know that we've always got a captive market because it's so competitive. And there are a lot of recruitment agencies out there. Uh, the other piece for us being niche means that we can offer things that no one else can uh, by the form of the integrations and the, the product enhancements that are going to help them be more successful online. Uh, but we've also got all the corporate careers sites. So any employer that wants to attract great people to its business needs to also provide a fantastic candidate experience. So we can implement a career site into a corporate website so that it seamlessly looks like it's their brand and everything functions as though it's them, but yet they provide that perfect candidate experience, which is often hard for them to get because their database platform is driving the job application and the job board experience. So we can fix all of that and make it perfect. So by being niche, we've actually got a massive market um, that, yeah, we haven't even advertised to yet, uh, that we can offer solutions that no one else will be able to. Yeah, and the the addition is there really aren't that many um, real competitors in this space. We could probably put on one hand all of the competitors that would fall into this bucket that would offer something, you know, similar to what we do. Obviously, not not as not as new um, and advanced, but that is different to the upstream market which is your applicant tracking systems where there's literally hundreds so we're in this very competitive market but there's only actually a handful of competitors and that really globally globally that allows us to 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 win big clients um, around the world because once they see it and we've proven this as part of sort of the test phase once they see the product and they're on anything else they are literally gobsmacked by what we've created. And that is the, that is the, I don't think we've ever come off a call where some, where they didn't compliment us on the thought process and the technology mm-hmm. and the, and the understanding of the industry. Um, 
it's just been amazing. Whereas before it was always, oh, you know, looks like old technology. Why can't it do this? Why can't it do that? So we've totally flipped it on its head. And that's, that's what gets us excited every single time we jump on the call because we know we're going to make a difference. Mm, that's a great place to be having a quality product that you believe in. Um, and understanding an industry. And the benefits of niching is you can go deep within the space and understand all the, the detail of how people come together, where some value add could be across the chain of the industry. So I think um, if anyone out there that's not thinking niche, uh, this is um, always a, something you put your hat up on and listen to because from a niching perspective, it does give you more benefit and you can get really deep within the client's um, requirements and problems and then really understand them. So um, yeah, everyone have a think about niche because uh, it does come to us as we want to be everything to everybody. Um, it happens 50% of the time that we speak to people. So yeah, it's good to see that you're niched. It's also very hard to sell that too. It is. Oh, to sell niche is much easier because you've got a clear captive audience. You know who you're talking to, what their problems are. Um, whereas you could easily have a low-code, no-code website builder, but now you're competing against WordPress plugins, and aren't you? Bubble so and there's very different the, competition 20, out there. Other together. platforms that yeah. just build anything for you. Correct. Mm. Yeah. So guys, also from a a business perspective, what are why are you in this space? What's, what's what gets you up in the morning um, it keeps you driving and puts a passion behind it because you can see you're very passionate in terms of your thinking um, and your business model and your product so what keeps you going every day well for me it's simply the 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 fact that it's such a big market we have such a great product we have such amazing clients that need need us or prospects that need us we know that um, you know when you're converting 90, 80, 90% of any, anyone you talk to, you know, you're on a winner. Or and not charging the, enough. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that too. Uh, but that, that keeps you going, keeps you getting excited. Um, and it's it truly, we're making a difference and we, 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 we love what we do. So that's for me, the, the difference. Yeah, and I think even though like, we're, we're two, nearly coming up to two years in to when mm -hmm. we started, um, it's a bit less than that, but, uh, you know, we're getting up at ridiculous hours, like as a startup, 4 a.m. starts, actually it was 3 a.m. the other morning, and we're going through until, you know, midnight and later on, on other nights. Um, it's still just exciting because it is solving so many problems for people in this industry, and... To, to, for people to actually sit on a call and go, oh my gosh, I've always wondered why, why no one had ever done this? Why haven't we heard of this sooner? And, you know, it's, it's very rewarding because we actually do see the difference that it makes for people. And there's so much more opportunity to, to help like so many other people and solve lots of problems. So that's, you know, one of the big driving forces. It's momentum, right? So as you get good feedback, it gives you a bit of momentum in terms of how do we keep pushing forward, um, especially when you're getting quality product feedback. So you've obviously got hit the mark in terms of what people are looking for. You've listened to your customers. You've understood what the market needs. You've exited a, a business to go into a, something that you understood as being the vision of what the product needed to be. Um, and when you tick the box and you start getting that feedback, it starts creating that bit of momentum shift in terms of 
okay, we're really here, we can actually make a difference and help a lot of people. Um, and that gets you on a bit of a spiral and it's a positive momentum shift. So great for the business, great for any investors on board, uh, great for team. Um, yeah, so pretty exciting things happening at Shazami. Really good to hear. Thank you. Yes, we're very excited. In terms of anyone wants to find out a bit about you or uh, your platform, where can they find you? Is just shazami.com.au, I would imagine? Just shazami.com. Yeah. Uh, we're... Drop the .com.au, got it. Yeah, yeah, we've got to go global. We're going global. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, of course, LinkedIn. Uh, Rick and I are both on LinkedIn, and, and we often get people reaching out for advice and assistance. Where we, we love helping people regardless of whether they end up using our technology or not. Uh, but yeah, we're, you should be able to find us if you Google shazami.com. Oh, thank you, Rick. Thank you for Nicole for joining us today on Endeavour Podcast. Really been a, a pleasure just to see your passion and um, what you're doing and driving a difference in the, the recruitment space. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much, pleasure. guys.